Coming up on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, Jared Olam joins us to talk about his own Jeep story. This week in Jeep, we have an update to the story behind 18-year-old Jeeper Kendrick Castillo, who was killed saving the lives of his classmates in a school shooting last May. We've got leaked photos of the new Grand Wagoneer. What do they tell us? We finally pull Tammy's cork and let her talk about her Transamerica Trail adventure. Radio Comtech is back to cover the different types of communication equipment out there that you have access to. Nikki G corrects Tammy, talks road signs, and waxes on about his days on the mothership. We've got a whole bunch more show, too, so stick around. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Christmas is my favorite. Oh, hell no. It ain't time for that shit yet. <laughs> Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. This week's Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by Extreme Terrain, Wrangler Off-Road Parts and Accessories Outfitter. Stay tuned to hear about Meredith Evasu's Jeep Bumpers Buyer Guide video on how to choose the right type of bumper for your rig. This episode of the Jeep Talk Show is also sponsored in part by Black Magic Brake Products. They build big brake kits for your Jeep. BlackMagicBrakes.com sells direct bolt-in Vanco big brake kits with Black Magic brake pads and new steering knuckles. Find out more by visiting blackmagicbreaks.com. That's blackmagicbreaks.com. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never do anything but Jeeps. This show's for you. Josh, Tammy, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Hummers. No. <laughs> Prius. <laughs> turkey. How dare you. Turkey. I think we could talk about turkey. <laughs> Maybe later. What is it, Tammy? Oh, Jeeps. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tony, and my Jeep has had a thick red East Texas dirt for a month now all over it and stacked up on the sliders even. Got to be red, huh? Just got to be red. Hey, it's Texas, man. Hey, it's time to break out the pressure washer. I'm Josh, and after this last weekend, I've got some serious cleanup to do on my Jeep, unlike Tony. (laughs) And I'm Tammy, and Tony, I don't say, are you sure anymore? Oh, excellent. Well, not as much. <laughs> and and, and uh, Josh and I were chatting about cleaning the Jeeps, and I, uh, my uh, autocorrect uh, made it a pleasure washer. And I think I'm going to patent oh. that. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I said, sign me up for one of those. <laughs> Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. This Week in Jeep is not brought to you by our normal sponsor. It is brought to you by us. And so if you'd like to support us, just, well, support us. Listen to us and uh, spread the word. You know, we're pretty much, we pretty much have our proverbial fingers on the pulse of the Jeep world. So when there's a buzz of spy photos being leaked out of what could be the new upcoming Wagoneer or Grand Wagoneer, well, you can be sure that you're going to be some of the first to hear about it. We've actually known for a while that Jeep is bringing back the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer nameplates, and we now have our best look yet at what the proportions of this new full-sized three-row Jeep SUV is going to look like. Based on the few photos that were released this week by the Camera Ninjas at Car and Driver, we can speculate that it'll be built upon the Ram 1500's platform going off the sheer size of this thing. Now, it's unclear what the difference between the Wagoneer and the Grand Wagoneer models will actually be. But if the rumors are true, then the relationship between the two might be similar to akin like that uh, of the Tahoe and the Suburban. 
with the Grand Wagoneer serving as a long wheelbase version of the standard Wagoneer. Or it could just be a matter of trim level, with the Grand Wagoneer backing up what many are thinking will be a six-figure price tag. Either way, the vehicle we see here under heavy camouflage appears to share some of the styling with the current Jeep Grand Cherokee. As we can see, the headlights and taillights beneath the camouflage are similarly shaped to those found on the Grand. Now, the Grand Wagoneer, or the, I should say the Grand Cherokee 2, is getting a redesign soon, and it might arrive before the Wagoneer. So, we're going to see what we see now may just be bolted in place to keep it rolled legal. Not really the first time we've seen Franken-Jeeps tooling around the test track in Toledo under heavy blankets. As far as what is going to be powering this new behemoth of a Jeep, well, that too can be derived from the platform it's being built on. Since it shares its frame with the Ram 1500, it's likely going to have the same engine options. That would make the standard engine a 3.6-liter V6 with the e-torque hybrid, and those wanting more grunt will have the 5.7-liter V8 Hemi as an option for, you know, all that more power if you need it. Both engines will probably be paired with a ZF 8-speed transmission in either rear-wheel drive or four-wheel drive options. A rumored all-wheel drive option has been thrown around in some circles, too. Regardless, one of the big unknowns at this point is whether or not retro wood paneling <laughs> on the outside of these is going to be an option, too. All we can do is hope. Jeep has said that the Wagoneer and Grand Wagoneer will begin production in 2021, so we can expect to hear lots more about these new models in the coming months. I just hate wood stickers, plastic wood stickers. <laughs> the the back end there looks like it's squared off. It almost looks like a, a you know, those pickup truck yeah, um, yeah. inserts. It, it really yeah, the, it really looks like a Ford Expedition to me. <laughs> yeah, it, it, I was I was going to say that like an Expedition or maybe even a Suburban. Um, it's yeah. very blocked off, but a lot of that again is the camouflage, the very thick, blankety, bulbousy, puffy looking camouflage that they wrap the vehicles in. I hope that so. Completely distort all the body lines <laughs> and everything else. You can't even tell if that thing is is if there's even a car under there. Got uh, but Got uh, I hope so because it's yeah. not it's not very good looking. No, no, it's not very good looking at all. Now, the artist renderings that we've seen over the pre over the previous months, those are really, really cool. And there are some wood grain options out there that uh, people have photoshopped into some of these that, that really actually work pretty well. Uh, you know, faux wood stickers aside, uh, it actually works on some of the body lines, uh, just kind of like uh, the old... The old retro wagoneers did, but uh, nonetheless, we'll see what uh, what sort of offerings they'll be having as far as trim and and uh, exterior options here in the upcoming months. Now, I'll just say this: uh, for six figures, rumored six figures, if it was coming with a Hellcat uh, mm. standard, mm. then it would be the ultimate sleeper, especially if you kept this crap oh, all over it. <laughs> right? Look at Grandma, hey, Grandpa, yeah. paneling over here. Yeah. Hey, Grandpa, want to run it? Sure. <laughs> smokes them and just leaves them at the stoplight. Fido's on the back glass stuck back there, you know, until, the, until you slow down to, you know, negative three Gs. Well, a story we covered in May has some further developments. It's not often we get stories that, that really choke us up or have us di diverting from the funny all that often, but this is one of those that, one of those stories that not only was really hard for me to write back when it came out, but difficult to read at the time, too. It really tugged at the heartstrings. You, remember, you may remember the story of a young, enthusiastic jeeper by the name of Kendrick Castillo. He was the 18-year-old boy who, in an act of sheer heroism, tackled a would-be gunman as he entered Kendrick's classroom intent on murder. Kendrick's act of bravery allowed other students to get to safety and for the gunman to be tackled and detained. Unfortunately, it also cost brave young Kendrick his life. 
The life of his parents, Maria and, and John Castillo, obviously haven't been the same since that fateful day in May. As a way to cope with the loss of their only child, the couple has been finding ways to hold on to Kendrick's memory and make a statement at the same time. The two drive Kendrick's Jeep as, a lo as long as it is running well, and they say it gives them comfort to be in it. Kendrick's mother, Maria, says it feels like her son is next to her when she's in it, and she can still smell him in the Jeep when she gets in. Kendrick's father, John, says when we get out of the Jeep and walk away, he's with us. And when we come out, he's there waiting for us. That's what this Jeep represents. The two also write messages on the Jeep's windows. They change the messages out regularly to share their feelings to the community, and they range from notes of hope to frustration to remembrance. They also put up different cardboard posters in the windshield when they park the Jeep, displaying different messages about gun safety and the call for justice and for measures to keep kids safe in their own schools. On Saturday, November 30th, that's this weekend as we record this episode, there will be a Jeeps and Taps event benefiting the Notre Dame Catholic School Scholarship Fund in Kendrick's honor at Max Taps Brewery in Highlands Ranch, Colorado from 1 to 8 p.m. If you are able, we encourage you to show up. Kendrick's Jeep will be there, and folks are encouraged to bring their Jeeps, too. With this vehicle, with his vehicle, they hope that their son's memory will live on. This is absolutely horrible for uh, this young man to have lost his, his life, but for his parents to have to go through this day uh -huh. in, day out. But I, I'll just mention, there are people that celebrated Thanksgiving yesterday and will be celebrating Christmas in the upcoming uh, 30 days or so that would not be celebrating those, those holidays with their family had it not been for this young man. And Indeed. I would be, I would miss my child infinitely, but would be so proud of his heroism. If you have a news tip or response to any one of our stories, don't hesitate to write out and reach out to us. Be sure to let us know what you have to say by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out how to reach out. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we have an interview with Jared Oldham. He's a fan of the show, fellow Jeeper, and an Overland enthusiast. And now it's time for some Radio Com Tech. This is John, and today we're going to talk about your communication options. The most common option is CB. However, other options include GMRS, FRS, MERS, PLMRS, and Ham Radio. Some do not require a license, however, some do. There are a couple of questions you will need to answer in order to help guide you towards a radio service that may best serve your needs. Who do you want to talk to, and what are they using? Do you ride with a group, various groups, with a few friends, or alone? Are you wanting trail convoy communication or to be able to reach out in case of an emergency? For trail and convoy comms, CB is still the most common form of communication between off-road groups and is still required for many organized events. MERS, which does not require a license, is another option, though it is not widely used. GMRS, which does require a license, is slowly gaining in popularity, and it also communicates with the FRS handhelds, which do not require a license, so they can be used for those without GMRS or for spotters. Ham radio is also suitable for trail comms, in addition to emergency comms, as it is quite versatile. But for those groups that do not want to take the ham test and get licensed, as easy as it is, then GMRS is a suitable alternative for trail and convoy communication. PLMRS also operates on frequencies close to ham radio, VHF, and UHF frequencies, but it's best for a dedicated group. For contact outside your group or for emergencies, if we're discussing two-way radios only, then ham radio without a doubt is the best option. There are many hands, repeaters, and linked repeater networks across the country. Many times someone is monitoring, even if you do not hear any traffic. 
Ham radio is also capable of APRS, which can be useful for tracking your vehicle, sending SMS, text messages, emails, getting weather reports, etc. Though much of this does require infrastructure, it's not always 100%, but it's still a useful tool to have in addition to voice communication. A PLB, or a personal locator beacon, is also a valuable emergency tool. If you ride with groups, you will probably want to use what they are using. However, after this segment, you may want to convince them to upgrade. We'll discuss the specs, the pros and cons of each radio service on upcoming Radio Comtech segments. Hey, coming up in Tech Talk, don't be that guy. We'll teach you how to properly adjust your Jeep's headlights after a lift or trail damage. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey folks, this is the Crossthread Off-Road Podcast, where I talk about things in Minnesota dealing with off-roading and off-road rigs. We might be talking to an overlander one week, we might be talking to a builder another week, or we might just be sharing some things that uh, we've learned and screwed up with here in Minnesota. And we also might be talking about some trails in South Dakota, North Dakota, Iowa, uh, where else are we going? Oh, Wisconsin. Yeah, we're going to check them all out. So if you're interested in that, give us a listen. Thanks. So should we do like an impromptu uh, promo, a little intro for Jeep Life? Like Jeep Life, Jeep Life. Here's Tammy with Jeep Life. I'm right there. I just record that. We got a we got a good one. A little <laughs> music bed over that. We're golden. Jeep Life. All right, it's your turn, Tammy. Sing along. Uh, oh, I'm not. Oh. I was told I'm not allowed to sing anymore after Neil heard there's, my there, there's karaoke definitely, video. I was going to say, there's definitely a no karaoke clause in my contract. Yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, so, I we promised that we were going to talk about my trip. And um, we're going to start with, this week we'll do the East Coast. Um, and then next week we'll do the West Coast. Um, just to recap a little, we were supposed to be in two different Jeeps. And we were going to sleep in our Jeeps. Neil had some issues with his engine. Um, he's working them out right now as we speak and stay tuned to my YouTube channel for updates on that. So he borrowed a friend's Land Rover. It broke down, had issues. So instead of going to Overland <laughs> East, yeah, he blames me for, cause I was supposed to help him find tires and I was busy having lunch with my friend, having a glass of wine and forgot. So Anyway, that's another story. It's lonely so, at the top for a reason, Tammy. <laughs> I know, I know. I have my fans. So we are, I, we, and this is what the adventure is all about. And this is what I learned on the trip. And it's a new philosophy I have in my life, in my everyday life. Even like today, when plans got rearranged, you got to let it lead you. And we let the, we learn to let the adventure lead us because not even 30 minutes out of my driveway, we had to throw all our plans out the window. I packed the tent and went to St. Louis to go pick up Neil, who was stuck in St. Louis. And we missed Overland Expo East. We were both so bummed. Um, but after we got going, you know, we made our way up to Ohio to visit LT Wright Knives, which Tony and Josh, uh, I was shocked at their shop. Um, I was thinking it was a shed out back and it's not, it's a full blown knife shop. And these guys, he has tons of workers, handcrafters. Um, so we interviewed LT Wright, 
who's amazing. He's a really great guy. And he put us in touch with Blue Ridge Overland Gear, who makes the knife bag for the camp knives for LT Wright. So we call up Matt at Blue Ridge Overland Gear and say, hey, can we come visit your shop? And he's like, sure. Why don't you join us tonight? We're having dinner with Dan Greck. And I'm like, oh my God, yes. Because we were going to miss him at Overland Expo. So this is where I learned to just let the adventure lead us. We threw out all our plans and we just followed where it led. And every day we would wake up in our tents, freezing cold because the country was being blasted by an Arctic blast and record cold temperatures were all across the country. Um, But we learned to adapt. I will have to admit, Tony, that I became kind of a wussy when it was raining and I didn't want to set up the tent. So I broke out my credit card and we got a hotel room. Um, uh, I know. It would have been different if we were sleeping in our Jeeps. But, um, you know, I just don't want to wrap up a wet tent, set up a tent in the pouring rain. Um, We were just on the go constantly. So, had dinner with Dan Dan Greck. We got invited to the rooftop tent rally. Dan Greck was there. Dan is so amazing. And he's so interesting to talk to. And he, he really has some awesome tips for overlanding. And I suggest you get his book, The Road Chose Me. Um, but I really think we should have him on the show again because it, it, he just has a wealth of knowledge. We, so We did, Tammy. He was on two episodes and, ago. And again and again. <laughs> he has so many stories. Um, I have still have 100 questions to ask him. So then we headed to Henry and Lisa's house. They are YouTuber YouTube fans that opened up their house to us. And that's one thing about the trip that I felt, I mean, it was amazing. These people would open their house, houses up to complete strangers, and they, the hospitality was wonderful. We ended up, Henry invited a newspaper reporter, and we have an article in a little Virginia um, newspaper, um, which I need to remind Henry to send it to me. So that's how we started the TAT, and really the TAT to follow those maps on a motorcycle would probably be a lot easier, but in a Jeep, um, you really need someone to help you. So it was a good thing that we ended up in one Jeep together because, you know, at 0.9 tenths of a mile, you have to turn right on Old Farmer's Road, and then you go 0.3 miles and turn left. And um, the, the TAT is designed for those dirt bikes or those off-road bikes because they can traverse those gravel roads better than we can in a vehicle because it's just you have to go a lot slower so if you are going to do the whole TAT plan out I would say a good two months to do the whole thing what's Maybe the uh, what's the TAT for our first listeners oh. Yes, the Trans-America Trail. It was designed in the early 80s by Sam Carrero. You have to buy the maps from him. And um, he has done so much work. And his maps stay off of private land, out of forestry land that you're not supposed to be in. So don't, don't use any other maps but his, or you could get yourself in trouble. Because there are some private lands around this that other people have put out there and 
these people whose private land it is, they have shotguns. So um, you just need to be careful. Yeah, I was going to say, they, he has a section in there about how to uh, take care of uh, rock salt wounds from uh, shotgun. Uh, uh, farmers, yeah, there right? you go. Um, so the, the TAT on the East Coast is, is um, a lot of mountain gravel roads through, um, through the Appalachian Trails. And it's beautiful. Neil and I didn't do the whole thing because we found driving in a vehicle takes a lot longer than we expected. So we picked some good parts. And um, we skipped the North Carolina part because I know I can get back to North Carolina. So we got to Mississippi. Well, we actually, we camped, Tony, you will like this. We camped in the Cherokee National Forest. We just pulled over on the side of the road and camped and we're in the tent. And I heard this screeching sound. And it's a sound I've never heard before. And I go, Neil, Neil, what was that? He's like, oh, it's just an owl. And I'm like, oh. And then I'm thinking, no, it wasn't. An owl goes, hoo, hoo. <laughs> and so then all of a sudden this light flashed on our um, tent. And I'm like, oh, my God, Neil, what's that? He's like, oh, it's just a car. And I'm listening and I'm listening. And I'm like, no, it's not a car. So it was either Bigfoot with a flashlight or some poacher or moonshiner or it was an alien ship. Alien ship. Yes, I knew you would. Um, so then we made it to Mississippi, and that's where I met a YouTube follower. And um, I'm pretty sure Trish also listens to the Jeep Talk Show. And we had lunch with her, and she actually won the LT Right Knife contest. We had a giveaway. So then we were going to go on to Oklahoma. And Oklahoma was under an ice watch, an ice storm watch. So we said, forget this. And we headed to Colorado and we tried to work on Neil's um, engine. Um, but I was getting way too impatient and I wanted to move on. And I said, I'm going. Um, you can come with me or not. And because we spent four days in Colorado. Oh, wow. Which, yeah, we um, and we did wheeling, did some wheeling there. Um, and it is absolutely amazing. How was Black and, Bear Pass? Uh, it was closed. <laughs> thank How much thank did that cost God. you? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I paid off the... Um, but the thing about it is, what I found is, you know, I don't need to do those big, rocky, scary, you know, difficult <laughs> trails. <laughs> You know, because there's so much beauty on the West Coast. And it's, you know, just to be driving along and you, and the terrain changes so much on the West Coast. Um, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, we did a couple of no-name trails in Colorado. Um, and I didn't know this, but you can like claim land there for nothing. This public land and live there and there are no restrictions because it's federal land. There's no restrictions. You could put a bus out there and live in a bus in this, you know, on your little parcel of land. So one day I might be doing the Jeep talk show from some bus in the middle of Colorado. Um, so then it was, Neil said, okay, I'll go with you. And we go through Wolf's Creek Pass. 
And there's these signs that say, pull over and put your chains on here. And I'm like, what the heck? I haven't seen that since the 70s. Um, and all these cars are pulling over and putting chains on. And these semis are putting chains on. And I'm like, Neil, what is going on? He's like, oh, there's a big storm up there. And I, Wolf's Pass is scary. I mean, it's a, a you know, a traveled road. So it's asphalt and everything. Um but you couldn't even see in front of you because it was a snowstorm. Um, so there will be video of me screaming and freaking out. And um, so that we made it. <laughs> so you, we had, made it to, you had some chains then? No, we were in my Jeep with the Nexon tires and the Nexon tires did totally so, fine. So no chains. You just, uh, just no chains. went with what you had. Yep. And, you know, we didn't even slip on any of the ice. There was a few ice spots, but um, the Nexon tires rocked it. So, um, so remind people uh, where they can find your YouTube channel and your blog. Yep. So next week I'll share the West Coast story and you can follow along on my blog at www.jeepmama.com and there's um, videos on my YouTube channel. Just search the Jeep Mama and I still have tons and tons of videos to go through. <laughs> so lots and lots and lots of stories left to tell. Excellent. Stick around, Jeeper. Coming up a little bit later in the show, we've got Nikki G. Why did you become a paid subscriber to the Jeep Talk Show? I love the show. I've been listening to you guys for free for, I don't know, years now. And I figure, like, time to give back. You can be a paid subscriber and help support the show you love, the Jeep Talk Show. It'll just uh, help help the show out. And, and then in the end, it'll be Jeep Talk Show in my ear holes, you know? Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the big yellow subscribe button. It'd be nice to give back to uh, so that you guys can continue on. Because if they love the show, then why shouldn't you, why shouldn't you give back just a little bit. BlueTouchUp.com is the best. Holy cow, you guys. Only got seven listeners, six. I know you got more than that. It's just that probably absolutely everybody has got brand new Jeeps and do not need any touch-up paint. All I can say about that is they ain't willing it right. They ain't doing it right, or they don't have any kids in the neighborhood riding around on bicycles that think it's really cool to ride between you and your other Jeep and everything else. Uh, I could use that touch-up paint, and I probably disqualified, but it's all right because I didn't win anyways. I don't mind disqualifying myself, but I want you to know that you guys have got millions of listeners, millions and billions of them, but... I'm the only one that doesn't need any touch-up paint because I don't have any kids in the neighborhood riding around on their damn bicycles out beating up my damn cars. I bought them handlebars grips three or four times. It doesn't do any damn good. What I need to do is, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, good to hear Tammy's back, I think. I'm not, I'm not real sure. Uh, <laughs> just call in just to say hi. <laughs> wow, that's a what whole gambit. That, yeah, uh, what that was, was that supposed to mean? <laughs> a whole gambit of. Uh, well, maybe you haven't just had uh, had a chance to talk much. Maybe he was upset because he, he didn't get any of the uh, uh, the the uh, TAT information that you uh, we were teasing last week. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I just, I, it's tech talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! 
You know, driving a Jeep or really any vehicle with one headlight pointed towards the ditch or the <laughs> sky or the other lane, it's really worse than annoying. It's it's actually kind of dangerous. So blinding the vehicles coming at you is really never a good thing and illuminating the ditch while coming on. You know, the people on the other side of the, of the road, they can drift over into your lane if they're blinded and clip you head on. That's going to be no fun. Oh, sure. It looks real neat when in dense fog you have a lightsaber coming off the front of your Jeep pointing out into outer space, but not properly illuminating the road surface in front of you can lead to an accident in the right circumstances. It all takes a, all it takes is a minor fender bender, maybe even some light trail damage, or, or even a change in the ride height or stance of your Jeep to alter the aim of your Jeep's headlights. Fortunately, headlights feature adjusting screws that make it very easy to fine-tune the aim of the lights. That is, if you know how to use them. And going off the setting on my mirror and my daily driver, if that's any indication, there are many of you out there who have no idea what I'm talking about. Adjusting headlights on virtually any vehicle is so easy, anybody can do it. All it takes is some masking tape and a screwdriver. It's so easy, in fact, it calls into question the intellect of some of those douche nozzles out there driving big-ass bro-dozers with 18 inches of lift and 52-inch tires on the freeway with four shocks in each corner and not one red cent towards a screwdriver to adjust the damn headlights. <clears throat> Alright, enough ranting. Let's get on to some adjusting. Some vehicle manufacturers want to make it easy on you by including a leveling bubble in the headlight assembly. This is not unlike a carpenter's level and can often aid in the adjustments. Be advised, though, this is for use on vehicles that are typically at factory ride height and haven't had any modifications made to their suspension. Many adjusters are accessible under the hood, while some can be accessed through the headlight bezel itself. The difference between that properly aimed headlights can make is amazing if you are gotten if you've gotten used to driving with headlights pointed in different directions. That is, <laughs> all it takes is four simple steps to get your Jeep's highs pointed in the right direction. All right, step one. With the Jeep on level ground, pull it up to a large, flat wall. The sign of a warehouse, a large brick-and-mortar building, those work really, really well. Your garage door might work out if your driveway is flat enough and long enough, but really the building method usually works best. You're going to want the Jeep's front end as close to the wall as you can get it, like with the bumper almost touching close, all while being perfectly perpendicular or square to the wall. Step 2. With masking tape, you know, the blue painter's masking tape, that works really good. Or uh, Gorilla Glue duct tape works really good, too. That stuff will stick to anything. Put two crosses on the wall that correspond with the vertical and horizontal center lines of both headlights with the low beams on. Basically, you're going to put a cross right where the center of the headlight is. It's also a good idea to mark the center line of the Jeep, too. This will help with reference when it comes uh, to side-to-side -side, uh, alignment of the lights uh, later on, if that's even needed. All right, step three. You're going to move the Jeep back 25 feet. Keeping the Jeep centered with the tape crosses on the wall, it's important that you remain perfectly square to the wall and that you move as straight back from your starting point as possible. And yes, the 25 feet needs to be pretty accurate too, so make sure you have a tape measure handy. Examine the light pattern is your final step in making the adjustments. That's it. The low beams should be hitting the lower right sections of the crosses. If they're not, use the horizontal and vertical adjusting screws to aim the headlight beams two inches below and to the right of the taped center lines. This would be a good time to adjust to the left and to the right to uh, correct for any damage to the front end your Jeep potentially has, uh, forcing the lights out of alignment. Now you can adjust the high beam hotspots. Turn on the high beams and they should split the crosshairs that you have on the wall. If not, you may need to go back and forth and doing some little adjustments and then get a, a midpoint between the two. Here's a tip. If you're running high wattage lights on your on the front end of your Jeep, you may find it easier to block one headlight with a towel or a sweatshirt draped over that corner and make these adjustments one light at a time. 
And there you go. That's it. You should have a good grasp now on how to align your Jeep's headlights properly. Next week, we'll go over headlight basics, what the difference is between the different types of bulbs out there to stick in your headlights, and what's good and what's the scene you should probably stay away from. And we'll even go over what all that fancy terminology really means. So, Josh, when you mentioned about the one headlight pointing, you know, up high and the other one down yeah. in the ditch, I had this mental image of a biker chick that had recently fallen off the bike and had one pupil bigger than the other. You know, I always uh, go back to, uh, uh, is it uh, J- Jim Buscemi? Jim Buscemi. Oh, He's yes. in a bunch of those Adam Sandler movies. He's the crazy eye guy. He can point his eyes in any which direction. Steve, when I was writing this article, right? that, that's, that's exactly who I had in mind. They have the, they have the meme of him uh, where it says, looks good to me. Uh, on yeah, the- exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All the bad Jeep things. Um, on the Wrangler that I have... I don't know if it's all the years, but I only have, I think it's the vertical adjuster. I don't have the horizontal adjuster. You have to buy a special Mopar part to put it in. That's amazing. Yeah, not all cars have full adjustment on their headlights. Some will only have vertical um, adjustment up and down. They won't have the horizontal. Like, for instance, Tammy's Jeep, there are some out there that do that. There are some that um, where it requires a Torx screw to adjust. Some it's just a Phillips uh, it really just kind of depends on your particular Jeep or vehicle. Again, this isn't Jeep specific. It's not model specific. This is generally will apply to just about any vehicle out there. So, Josh, I got a question for you. Uh, you're you're aware of these uh, full size pickups that use the uh, I guess the terminology would be the uh, the North Carolina squat where it's uh, sitting much lower in the back than it is in the front. Oh, yeah. How, how in the world would you I don't think there's a big enough screw to adjust the headlights down. I think you're uh, blinding the International Space Station while you're driving down the highway. <laughs> yeah, uh, thankfully, uh, that out here would uh, would probably get the attention of State Patrol, and, and they would probably like to have a word with you. Uh, we don't have to worry about that too much out here. But if that's what's going on in your state, likely you will have enough adjustment to get those headlights back down to where oh, wow. they should be. Right. Uh, if not, well, then you're looking at having to shim the entire headlight bucket uh, from its mount on the on the fire or not the firewall the um, the header panel itself mm-hmm. so and that's going to be something that uh, likely will involve fabrication or professional workmanship by a body shop something like that but if that's really what you're going after then more power to you but just uh, be advised you're going to need some uh, need some work in order to get your jeep's front end to be legal again would you have anything to add maybe you have a question for tech talk just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message let us know a topic that you would like us to cover where do you listen to the jeep talk show what are you talking about man where do you listen to the jeep talk show i got no idea what the heck where do you listen to the jeep talk show at get out of my face yo hey where do you listen to the jeep talk show at underwater hey where do you listen to the jeep talk show at in the bubble bath where do you listen to the jeep talk show at no clue and where do you listen to the jeep talk show at while flexing on stumps where do you listen to the jeep talk show at hey, where do you listen to the jeep talk show at hey, where do you listen to the jeep talk show at i would assume on the radio the jeep talk show available on itunes and at jeeptalkshow.com the black magic brake pad was born on the racetrack but exhibits the very unusual trait of outstanding cold bite which makes it ideal for our jeeps when running larger tires and add when we add weight and armor Larger, heavier tires and wheels require more stopping power. Don't wait until you try slowing down that rig and you wish you had spent more time beefing up your brakes. When they say Jeep brakes, they mean it. Jeep Commander, Liberty, TJ, XJ, ZJ, and of course the JK, to name just a few. Stop! 
what you're doing right now and go to blackmagicbrakes.com and find all the great products available for your Jeep. That's blackmagicbrakes.com. Extreme Terrain is more than just a source of YJ to JL Wrangler parts and accessories. Their team of experts works hard every day to create educational content for the Jeep community. In their latest how-to video, host, host Meredith Evesu focuses on front bumpers, a product many of you probably have on your holiday wish list. With so many different styles available, figuring out which one fits your lifestyle can sometimes be the hardest part on ExtremeTerrain.com. Whether it's a stubby, full-width, or tubular bumper, Extreme Terrain has the right front bumper to fit your application. Click the link in today's show description for Jeep Talk Show episode 413. And from our friends at Extreme Terrain, have a wonderful holiday season. From around the world. Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Tonight we are going to be talking to Jared. Uh, you said Oldham or Oldham? Is that correct? Yeah, Oldham. Oldham. I can't believe I got that right. I'm so bad with names. So Jared is a Jeeper, off uh, overland enthusiast, and an outdoor adventurer. Uh, Jared has been a Jeep fan his entire life. His first Jeep was a 2004 Jeep Wrangler. He now owns a 2012 Jeep Wrangler. And over the past years, he's been exploring the trails and back roads all over Utah, documenting it on his YouTube channel, uh, Back Road Exploration. How many uh, how many uh, subscribers do you have there on, on that, uh, that channel, Jared? So I'm small and growing, but I'm just under 2,000. Oh, that's a lot. That's very good. That's, that's more than right. what we have uh, here. Uh, and we've been uh, doing the YouTube channel for a long time. Now, of course, we, it's just talking heads. So it never was going to be a, a big numbers thing, I don't think. But uh, that's, that's, a, that's a very healthy uh, uh, count there. So how many videos do you have? Ooh, I don't know exactly how many. Probably 30 or so. And are they all off-road, dash cam, uh, outside shots, mixture? Is it, uh, uh, what kind of videos uh, do you have there? Yeah, so they're all a combination of outside shots and dash cam. So I, I typically hook a GoPro up that I, I used to run with it running a lot more. And now I usually only turn the GoPro on during specific sections. And then I do a lot of setting up the camera on a tripod. Or if I'm with someone else, we kind of switch back and forth filming as we go and things like that to get as much i like to get as much exterior footage as possible oh yeah that's it's so hard to get a feel uh for everything just from the dash cam uh and uh it's very difficult you almost have to have a a second person helping you yeah it's it's funny because i'll a lot of times my brother will come with me in his rig and then um or i'll have my wife or um, my seven-year-old son he actually loves the film so (laughs) i'll often let him jump out and you know you can sometimes they'll see you know his finger will pop in front of the camera or something and it's organic that way but it's it's really fun to go out and and just explore and i really when i started documenting things i really just wanted to be able to record it for myself and at first i'll bet half of the views were just me and my kids re-watching us on adventures and and over time it's you know kind of picked up and i try to go on typically one to two trips a month and and try to get one or two videos out of each one and then try to get them up on youtube and and uh you know kind of share some of the really beautiful you know areas here in utah Oh, I bet you there's lots of places. Now, uh, one one more quick question, and we'll let Tammy uh, edge in here. Um, 
do, do you feel when you're editing? Do you feel like you're you're cutting your children out of the video? Because it's just it's just so hard for me to edit video. Because you know you got to get it down. You got to keep it interesting, and uh, you lose so much footage. Uh, editing video is is such a pain. Yeah, one of the most depressing things to me is I'll I'll put it all in the timeline. And a lot of times I'll have like an hour of footage and I want to cut that down between somewhere between 10 and 20 minutes. <laughs> yes. Occasionally I'll let it go up to 24, 25 ish minutes, but I feel like so much is, is cut out of the, the video. And at first I really didn't show much other than us driving and different things like that. And, and over time, a lot of my subscribers are saying like, Hey, I want to see you around camp and what you're doing. Oh, and yeah. so I'm trying to show more of that. Like here's our camp setup, and here's how I sleep in the Jeep and, you know, different things like that to integrate more of it. And so it's, it's definitely a, uh, an experience and the editing is unbelievably time consuming. So that's the part I would love to do you know, two or three videos a week, but I just, well, one, I'm not shooting quite enough footage to do that, but also the editing time, it's like a full-time job. So I'm, I'm up at night in front of the, you know, the computer cutting and, you know, my wife's like, man, I'm so tired of you editing videos. So <laughs> she's been really good about it, but sometimes the editing takes longer than the trip. Oh, very much so. Now, Tammy, you know a little bit about editing videos, don't you? Yeah, actually, um, my, my background is television news. Um, so it, but it's different nowadays with digital, but, and it's, it's not as time consuming as videotape and you can be more creative, but it is, it is super time consuming. And, you know, uh, one of the things you were saying about your subscribers wanted to see more around the campsite and all that. And, you know, that's one thing I wish on my trip, I would have gotten more of, but, you know, it's so hard when you're rushing to go from place to place and it's so hard to shoot by yourself and I love that you have your wife and your son and your friends to help you um, that's so important when you're a youtuber I think yeah I think it, it definitely makes a huge difference having you know someone there so like I said a, a probably about a quarter of my trips my brother will come and he'll bring you know usually a couple of his kids and I bring my kids and so then that helps and then but I do do I don't know probably about half of my trips I'll do um solo or me and just my kids you know and mm -hmm. so and then we have a we have a pretty young baby right now so my wife is getting back into coming now that the baby's old enough to sleep and and right. camp actually so that part of it has been good we've been able to do some really fun family trips over the summer this year and i'm really looking forward to next summer when we can all go a lot more but i almost always have at least i've got two boys and a girl and i almost always have at least one of the boys and typically i have both of the boys with me on a trip and then, like I said, sometimes I'll have brother and it helps with, helps with the footage. It helps with, you know, just setting up cameras and it just makes it more fun. I, I the kids right. like to, they love seeing themselves, you know, so they, right. they'll love to see themselves. Oh, Hey, I remember we did this. And, you know, they'll talk about the videos as we're, you know, Oh, remember when this happened? And it's a really, to me, I've always loved being in the outdoors and exploring and things like that. And, and having a Jeep has just made it a family affair. And that to me, that's the number one reason I grow. I grew up riding a lot of quads and dirt bikes, and I still have some of those things, but that's it's just not the same inclusion experience. I can have my boys in there. We're out in the mountains or in the desert and we're just out exploring, having a great time. And I can talk to them the whole time. And it's, for me, it's the ultimate family adventure. Oh, I totally agree. It's so hard to be by yourself and experience this great fun you know, beauty. Um, let me ask you this. So you do a lot of camping and you're in your Jeep Wrangler. 
what do hmm. you find? Like, do you pack a lot of stuff or do you find you don't have enough stuff? Or, I mean, it's hard to pack stuff into your Jeep Wrangler. Yeah, definitely space is your biggest constraint with, constraint with a Jeep. And I, I really have gotten pretty good. I'm not going to say great, but pretty good at finding, okay, here's what we really need. So this is going to be a three-day trip, a four-day trip, or a, just a weekend, you know, like an overnighter, and then kind of how much I need to bring. Where I get in a little bit of trouble with that is when you kind of get fall or early spring, and you're not really sure what the weather is going to be like, and then I have to plan, okay, it could be it could be 60 to 70 or it could be 30, you know? And so sometimes right. that can make it a little bit hard having to plan and bring extra, you know, gear, or clothing, jackets and, and stuff like that. But overall, I think I have a pretty good system for being able to pack up the Jeep and we can fit everything for our family of five and the dog in the Jeep with and be able to do two to two and a half days. After that, I would need to, I actually do have a roof rack on the Jeep that I don't utilize that well. After that, I need to really put more stuff up there because mostly because the right. cooler has to get so much bigger to handle the food to feed us for that long. Right. Have you, so uh, what do you do about cooking gear? What Do you have like just a stove or what do you bring? Yeah, so I bring a Camp Chef two burner stove and that's going to be similar oh, wow. to like your Coleman's and things like that. And it, it's right. a great, yeah, I think it's like 120 bucks. It's been an awesome um, stove and, and we'll do, so I bring that, we bring some skillets and things like that. And we're mostly doing things like sandwiches for lunch and, and, um, I'll bring a lot of, a lot of times I'll do like cheese and crackers. So it's just in meat and you can just cut it up and eat it like that. And then typically at dinners, then we're cooking something either, you know, on the fire or on the stove top and we're able to, to get by pretty well that way. Of course, when my wife comes, the food is way better and way more gourmet. <laughs> for me, when it's me, it's like right. we're doing hot dogs and, you know, uh, chili cheese dogs. That's what we're eating tonight. And, the you know, the boys right. love it. But <laughs> I don't know that I'd want to eat that for like a Trans-American trail trip for three months or something every right. night. But when we go for a couple of days, we can eat a lot of hot dogs. So have you considered uh, getting a, a trailer that you would tow behind you and perhaps be able to carry more stuff, uh, increasing the, the the storage capability of the Jeep in, in effect? Yeah, I, I, I've i seen a lot of really cool setups. So obviously in the, in the overlanding world, you have from as simple as just like an off-road trailer, which I see a lot of guys will make out of just like a, a mid-sized pickup bed to, you know, some of the companies that are dedicated ones all the way up to like your off-road camper style trailers. Um, I, my guess is we're going to have one more kid, which means we will then expand <laughs> oh, the Lord. Jeep's capacity. And so if we expand the Jeep's regular capacity, then what my plan is, is to put a jump seat in the back, which means I'm going to need to have some type of a trailer when we all go on an right. adventure. Right. And so, um, but I think I will, if I do go trailer wise, I'm going to go light trailer wise. I don't want to have it be a full camp setup. I want it to mostly be a shell that I can put. I don't have a rooftop tent right now, but I'd like to have um, a shell with like a rooftop tent and then we can just shove gear in it. And then when we get to somewhere, we'll have a little bit more of a base style camp where we set it up and then we'll go out and do ex explore. Right now, a lot of my trips... If I'm doing multi-days, I'm almost never at the same spot. So I'll go to one spot camp and then pack everything up and go, you know, another, you know, 50 to 100 miles the next day type of a thing. So do you find that bringing too much stuff is is more of a hindrance than a help? 100%. I, I think 
um, one, it gets in your way. And then two, it just makes my least favorite part of a trip is packing and unpacking. Mm-hmm. And, and so to me, every time I'm getting ready to go and coming back, I'm thinking, okay, did we use this enough to justify bringing it? I almost, the only time I've ever gone on a trip where I was really like, I underpacked really wasn't an underpack. I accidentally forgot my skillet, my main cooking skillet. Oh, no. So oh, no. we get down to, we're camping just outside of Lake Powell. We get there, we pull into camp that night and I go to start making dinner. And we were going to, I was going to make kind of like a, a grilled cheese sandwich with, you know, some ham and different things like that. And I'm like, uh, I have nothing to cook on. So I actually found a rock and with a pretty flat rock and was able to cook on it and it worked pretty well. But that's oh, the wow. only time I've ever felt like I don't have enough stuff. All other trips, I come back and I'm like, I didn't need this. And so typically it's bare essentials so that we're not just being cluttered with gear. And I don't want to have, you know, the kids stomping on gear and not having enough space for us and things like that. So I don't know if, if you've actually thought about this or not. And, and, and I don't know is a fine idea. I mean, a fine answer. But uh, what is the... Uh, the thing that you always take that you need the least, and what is the thing you forget oh. that you need the most? <sighs> the thing that I always take that I need the least, typically, is the stuff that if you don't have and you need it, you're screwed. You know, so like <laughs> your recovery gear or, um, you know, something like that. That's typically the thing that you kind of need the least as far as how often you need it. But if you don't have it, you're in big trouble. And so that's a lot of stuff like. I always wonder like, man, do I really need this and this? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like last weekend I was up in the mountains in the snow and I have a toe strap that I haven't used probably in, I don't know, maybe a year now. Mm -hmm. And we got stuck and I definitely needed it. (laughs) And so, uh, and then stuff that I, uh, the other one was stuff that I bring. What was the other question? I'm sorry. What's the thing that you bring uh, most often that you never need? No, usually too much clothing, to be honest. It's, it's, I, especially for the kids, because I always want to have a couple extra changes of clothes in case they, they always find mud and water. They're professionals at it. We'll be in the desert and I'll look over and someone's got mud on them. <laughs> right. And so then it, but, you know, so I'm always like, okay, we're, we're using this. We need more probably. <laughs> How did we go through three pairs of pants today? Do you, you, I'm assuming you guys sleep in a tent. Um, it depends. So when I go with, uh, myself and the boys we sleep in the back of the jeep so we have a jku and if i fold the seats down scoot them forward the three of us can fit inside the jeep fine oh, oh yep. my goodness yep. that's amazing yeah yeah and, uh, myself and neil and our dog and his dog we fit in the back too it's a tight fit but you can do yeah. it yeah, and you know, luckily they're they're seven and four, and so right. they really don't take up too much space. And then, so for example, last weekend I said we were out in the mountains and it was really cold, and so um, I always bring my dog with us, and she sleeps with us sometimes, and other times she'll sleep outside. But I didn't want her sleeping outside, so we had me, my seven year old, my four year old, and our Labrador all in the jeep. We all slept great. What a wonderful adventure for uh, children that age. I mean, they're going to remember that from now on. Oh, yeah. It's exciting. Do you guys have a mattress that you put back there or do you just sleep in the back? Um, I I typically use just a couple of sleeping pads, like camp sleep pads. Right. Um, I'll usually lay down two of those and they, they don't fit exactly perfect, but pretty close to right in the space. And so there's a couple of products out there like deep sleep jeep i think is what it's called is one that's like exactly designed for a jku so i've I've thought about picking up one of those but 
it's hard for me to justify buying it when I have other things that work. And when my wife and the baby come, then we have to break out the tent. And so, right. And you know, so then we'll usually just do tents. I highly suggest looking to see if you have a mattress firm around you. They have these foam mattresses for $99. And I actually, um, did a, a mattress mod because I cut it. It's really super easy to cut. And it is so comfortable. It's about, I think, four inches thick. And it fits perfectly width-wise in the Wranglers. You just have to cut a little of the end off because it's a little too long. But it's a twin size. And I highly recommend it just for... And it's it's not that expensive compared to some of those other mattresses out there on the market. Yeah, that's a great... I think that's a great recommendation. And I'll definitely check it out. So, so I know that you your, guys I know you guys camp out a lot and you have to be seeing just wonderful star fields uh, late at night. Um, anything interesting to report? I mean, uh, I'm always UFO uh, hunting. So <laughs> when I, I, when I, I talk to our guests, seen UFO yet? I'm sure my boys would love it if we did. Oh, of though. course, I, that would make my seven year old is he he would be all over that. But the, <laughs> the stars are absolutely incredible. You don't have the um, light pollution that you get in a lot of, you know, cities and stuff. And so it's amazing to just sit out and look out underneath the stars, especially when you get down in Southern Utah, it's just, it's unreal how, you know, how beautiful it is. One of these days, Tammy, somebody's going to say, well, uh, I saw something, but I can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have coached you ahead of time, Jared. <laughs> so one question that Tony keeps avoiding and that's the color of your Jeep. Ooh, I was waiting for this. Uh-huh. My, my Jeep is definitely the right answer, even if it's the wrong answer for Tony, and it's black. Right. Exactly. I'm sorry, Jared. <laughs> that's the wrong answer. <laughs> what, oh, color was the, what color was the, the TJ? The TJ was yellow. Oh, I like yellow. Yeah, I, I really, really like the yellow. Um, and the, the black, I do love the black. The black was, I, I bought the Jeep used, and so it, this was the best deal for the best Jeep, and it happened to be black. And it is so, a Rubicon uh, from the picture I'm looking at. Yeah, it, it's a 2012 Rubicon. I have just about, I'm just under 60,000 miles, so it was pretty low mileage for, um, I bought it, it's coming up on 18 months now. Um, and so, it, it was just, you know, it's, it was the perfect setup for us. I loved having the TJ. And I loved having a Jeep, but it was quite an expensive car to be not very family oriented with us. And so um, we needed to sell it and come up with something that worked a little bit better for the family. And the second I sold it, I missed it every second and couldn't. And we started saving for uh, picking up another one. It's very, a very unique vehicle. Um, And I know the, my XJ uh, even is a very unique vehicle. Uh, My wife has a TJ of 2003 uh, I enjoy driving it, but the the T, uh, the XJ I've had for 20 years, and that's just like home to me. I just love driving the the XJ. So uh, I can w- well imagine that was quite a shock going from one to the other. Have you have you made the transition, or you, do you still miss the um, uh, you know the way the TJ feels, the way the interior, how it looks, or or are are you on the JKU uh, bandwagon now? Yes, to both of those. I am on the JKU bandwagon, but I do miss. Um, the TJ and the TJ has so much nostalgia for me too. I was, um, it was kind of an interesting, 
aspect i had that when i had met my wife and we were dating and mm -hmm. even for her right. she's like uh right now my younger brother has it and she's like if he ever wants to sell it we're buying it i don't like as if we were going as if she's gonna drive it she has another vehicle but you know she would it just there's so much nostalgia for it there's so many memories we had together she and i going out in the mountains and stuff and so um i i really like um that aspect of it the interior though of the jku it's just so much nicer than the tj's mm -hmm. everything about it is better and then the thing is is the jl's just that much of a step up jeep is jeep they're smart right they knew that a lot of people who are going to be buying a jku were going to be people who weren't off-roading or weren't off-roading that much right. but they wanted to have an interior that was nice enough that it could compete with other suvs because the tj really wasn't that in my opinion the interior is really basic and while that's nice for people who are like hey i want to go out and wheel this thing for someone who's gonna you know kind of be cruising around and stuff and, and using it more as a daily driver and cares about the niceties i feel like they made a big step up in the jku platform and so there's a lot of the interior things that they just feel better they either they feel more durable or just like even the size is sometimes like a little bit fatter just like the, the steering wheel is a little bit thicker and it just feels better in your hand than the than the tj does and i'm sure all the tj people are like i hate this guy <laughs> no no i think there's it's it, a lot of it is uh what you what you learned what what your first thing was uh whatever it is and in, in this case like the, the tj a lot of people love tjs because that was the jeep that they started with or maybe even the yjs or even cjs so people have a tendency to like the first thing that they you know they fell in love with so but but jeep keeps making jeeps and that's the most important thing and uh you know we we were talking about your youtube channel and uh, are you on the social media like the instagram facebook where, where can uh, people uh look at pictures find out more information about your your off-road stuff yeah so i'm i'm pretty active on instagram um that's going to be the best place to follow me and that's just at back road exploration and that's where i'm posting as many pictures as i can from the trips and i'll often do instagram stories kind of leading up and just after trips kind of like recaps and different things like that and on the youtube uh you don't have it set with the the back row uh back road exploration uh youtube slash you have the uh the long youtube uh cryptic uh letter thing that they do um so uh if people want to find you they should just on youtube they should just go to youtube and do a search for back road exploration yeah if they yeah, do that they'll find my channel really they should find it pretty quickly um or at least one of my videos there so i need to get on the getting the nice you know url <laughs> right yeah i um i googled you i saw your video and then you just click on back road exploration and it'll take you to your home page um and i subscribed um i have awesome, a real quick question you. yeah a real quick question one thing you, you know you find moab is so overwhelming with all the trails they have and everybody's like oh you need to do hell's revenge you need to do this but what like out of the way unique place if i were coming to moab would you suggest to me like a you know for beauty and and the scenery and all that probably the best one close to moab and it's a little bit harder to do because you actually do have to get a permit for it is the white rim trail it's inside uh -huh. of Canyonlands, so you jump onto the White Rim Trail just outside of Moab. You'll jump onto what's called, well, you can either go down the Schaefer Switchbacks, which are unbelievably amazing. You're basically at the top of Island in the Sky, which is a huge plateau looking out over Canyonlands and Moab. 
and you basically take switchbacks and I don't know how many, I think you drop over a thousand feet within like a mile oh, on wow. these switchbacks. <laughs> They're beautiful. Oh, and then yeah. you jump on a, it's a 100 mile primitive trail that wow. runs you around the rim of Canyonlands. Um, and it's actually one of my first YouTube videos that I made. I was in the TJ with my brother-in-law and we went and did three days. You can, people will power it and do it in like a day. And it's a really long, like 15, 16 hour, um, off road trip. Oh, wow. But, but yeah. I suggest that you go, there's camp, there's designated camp spots along the way. Most of the camping I do is all primitive, but since this is in right. Canyon lands, you have to stay at the designated spots. And I suggest going, you know, 30 ish or so miles a day and breaking it out across three days. And I'm telling you, it is the most stunning views you will ever see. There's multiple times where you were riding right along the edge of this huge plateau and you're looking down, you know, a thousand feet off of red, wow. you know, these red rock cliffs. And it's absolutely stunning. We stopped at uh, one of the campgrounds that's really hard to get because there's only one spot for it is called White Crack. And it looks out over a huge portion of Canyon lands and it's beautiful. We hiked up this little bluff and as my brother-in-law and I are sitting there, we look down and I'm like, that's an arrowhead, you know, and we pick it up and we're oh, looking at it and mate. you're not supposed to remove arrowheads from the Canyon land. So we left it, but it just, that's how, like, I don't know how many year, hundreds of years ago, an Indian was an, sitting at that spot, making an arrowhead, looking out over this beautiful you know, right. Vast landscape. And we're doing the exact same thing. Well, I'm sure you took a picture of it later. though. So if you can't have the hair, arrowhead, you certainly can have the memory. Oh, for sure. I got some pictures of it and, you know, and, and it's included in the video and it's just, that is, that's a trail. Now, like I said, it is, if you're going to try to go during peak season, it's one of the places that books up really quick. So it, really? you, you have to get a permit for it because they only want a certain amount of vehicles and, um, and actually mountain bikers will mountain bike it too. And so they only want a certain amount of people. So it's a little bit harder to do. A little hack that we did is that they open up the regular season like March to I think the end of October. So we went the last week of February, which is technically off season. And uh, you can go, you still have to get the permit, but we almost saw no one else on the trail. There was one couple in an FJ and that was it. And we had the entire place to ourselves and you're talking, it's a hundred miles and you're not going to see another vehicle. So that is that's, one of those places that's right by Moab. That's absolutely stunning. You get all of the beautiful red rock. Now it isn't like aggressive, you know, it's not like right. you're aggressive, hardcore. Oh, it doesn't have falling, to be though. But yeah. it's, it's definitely a primitive road. If it's muddy, it can really turn into a hairy situation, but it's beautiful, really steep climbs in a few places where you'll be using your four wheel drive and having a great time. So, Jared, this sounds like a, a, a an amazing place that you go off-roading. And, uh, uh, guys, and, and you need to go over to Instagram.com, Backroad Exploration, and uh, follow Jared and his family on these uh, these trails. And go to YouTube.com and just search for Backroad Exploration and uh, see all his videos. Sounds like you're going to have some great videos coming up, too, on that channel. Jared, I can't thank you enough for making time uh, for us tonight. And uh, we really appreciate you being here. And, of course, uh, hope you had a very good uh, Thanksgiving with your family. Thank you so much. I absolutely love this. I would love to jump on anytime that you guys need an extra guest. I love the show and I, it's just a pleasure talking with you and, and feeling like I get to meet you. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate that. Hey, thanks again, Jared, for taking the time to come on the show and talking about your own Jeep story. Now it's your turn, our fellow Jeep listener. 
Maybe you would like to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show to tell your own Jeep story just like Jared did. Go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and let us know if you're interested. We want to have you on the show. Hey, guys. Just wanted to call and say it sounds like Tammy and Neil had an exciting first date. All right. Chat at you later. <laughs> yeah, the, the, that was the longest first date I've ever had. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, Tammy, I hate to do it, but I got to kind of correct you and school you on your uh, New Mexico geography. Uh, Albuquerque is the city in New Mexico where Bugs Bunny kept making all the wrong turns, which warrants that uh, they do not have clearly marked road signs out there. Roswell, New Mexico, is the site or the nearest town to the crash. And the military came, collected all the, the uh, parts and bodies, and took them to their military base in Area 51, which, by the way, we call sacred ground. Most people believe that uh, visitors came from Mars, but uh, they didn't. They came from my favorite planet, <laughs> Jupiter. <laughs> I bet you guys thought I was going to say Uranus. Come on, I don't stoop that low all the time. But that's not why I'm calling. I'm calling today to talk about Pluto and the cosmic injustice that was given to it. Uh, How come he's got to walk around on all fours naked and Goofy gets to wear pants and walk upright and even gets the privilege to talk? It's just not right. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. You have a good one. Bye. Let's, let's not even mention a dog owning another dog. I mean, there's a whole class system in the dog world, apparently, at Disney. <laughs> I need to correct Nikki G. Uh-oh. He is not correct in his alien information. <gasps> this area that we were at is known as Area 66. It's a UFO museum dedicated to the alleged crash of a flying saucer outside of Kingman, Arizona in 1953. Ah, look it up. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Jeep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. Now, this week, we've got something for all of you new Jeep owners out there, and I'm talking about 2018 or newer Jeep Wrangler JLs. If you're up uh, equipping your Jeep JL uh, for uh, some off-road use and you want to protect what you have, you want to you know retain that warranty and all that, well, you're going to need some armor on that Jeep. And we got some of the coolest, newest armor on the show right now from Rancho. Adding a pair of Rancho rear shock and control arm skid plates provides the ultimate protection you need to keep your shock and control arm mounts from taking uh, some serious damage out on the trails. Installs very easily using existing bolt holes from the control arms and the shocks. A red powder-coated finish over the quarter-inch thick low-alloy steel resists corrosion and scrapes while gliding over obstacles easily. Installation can be done in the driveway or garage with simple hand tools and uses all existing hardware. Uh, and comes with hardware uh, that uh, where you, you don't already have it. Uh, this is some really cool stuff. It is 152 bucks, but it comes with free shipping. It is for the pair of these skid plates, and these things are some serious beef. Uh, if you're interested in protecting uh, the the bottom end of your brand new 
brand spanking new Wrangler JL. Check out these Rancho rear shock and control arm skid plates. They're pretty hot looking too. You know, this is a good idea for uh, even if you're not a, an off-road uh, type person, even if you're uh, not planning on going through the rocks. Now, certainly if you're going to go through rocks, these things are, are great to have. But you never know when you're going to uh, uh, run over something or, you know, maybe even hit a, uh, I guess maybe one of those, uh, a curb or something like that would be high enough for you not to strike it. But even a curb or a, uh, a sidewalk, depending on, I guess, how drunk you are, <laughs> uh, you know, I, it would I help protect that. You know, Tony, I back in everywhere I go. And I pretty much, I mean, in the driveway, whether I'm driving the Jeep or my daily driver, whether I'm at the mall, whether I'm at work or the grocery store, it doesn't matter where I'm at, you'll never find me at the mall. It doesn't <laughs> matter where I'm at, <laughs> uh, I'm always backing in. And and so there's times where I misjudge. I was like, oh, I thought I had another couple of feet and I didn't. I slammed the back end, you know, into the into the curb stop or whatever. So, you know, if you're like me, maybe uh, the, uh, uh, you know, your uh, depth of perception isn't quite what it used to be or something like that, maybe these will be perfect for you. And now that you must have a set of these shock and control arm skids for your own JL Wrangler, we're going to make it easy for you. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode 413. I hope everybody had a a great Thanksgiving. Oh. Yeah, we <laughs> don't mention food. Josh, you are going to be so upset with me. We well, went I know, to Applebee's. I know that, well, you don't really do normal Thanksgiving no. anyways, do Tacos. you? Yeah. Taco no, thank- for Thanksgiving. Don't. Wasn't like enchiladas last year or something? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah Applebee's now, this year. Uh, th- this year, uh, let's see, I'm going to have uh, 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 eight, maybe 10 people over. Oh, my um, God. Yeah, t- two are, two are, uh, are uh, uncertain. I've got a, I got a big ass bird in the fridge. Um, that's actually going to, I've got the. Uh, and I'll uh, just remind our, our listener that Josh does all the cooking. So. Oh, I, I do 100% This is a big thing for cooking. him. Every year, it's a big thing because uh, you have to prepare the whole thing. Well, I'm a foodie, too. So I, I, like, I rarely eat fast food. I, like,. I, Probably half of my paycheck goes to either gas or or food. <laughs> so, it, it, seriously, I, I I do all the cooking and all the grocery shopping in the house. It, it's um yeah, just one of those things. Um, and I'm a self proclaimed gourmet chef. I I don't do things uh half assed lightly. That, that this is going to be a meal for the ages, uh, as it is every year. All the holidays, I really go all out. Um, I, I head to the uh, uh, the, the fancy grocery stores and get all the best ingredients. My grandmother told me when I was very, very young and learning how to cook that, you know, a meal is only as good as the ingredients that you put in it. And so if you're buying Dollar Tree, you know, ingredients, well, you're going to have a Dollar Tree Thanksgiving and I'm not trying to have that kind of a meal on the table. So, now, um, now yeah, I, I know I, you just enjoy this. Oh, I do. But I, I but love doesn't food it, and I love cooking. Doesn't it just sort. get you to the hours and hours that you spend uh, cooking this preparing it and making and getting the timing right too so you can get stuff out while it's hot that's the tricky part i mean that takes a lot of skill and it's hours of work not not just just the cooking but but you collect it too do do you sometimes say oh my god all this effort is not worth 30 minutes of eating because it's so short a time that you that you your eat belly the food is so happy and you get these flavor profiles that are just amazing that you don't get to taste all the time so, so it is worth it to you and leftovers oh, yeah. 
there is something to be said about leftovers. Now, I mean, I really kind of take the leftovers to the extreme. I mean, I you know, it, it's it's a whole nother Thanksgiving dinner the next night, and then you know, it's probably some open face sandwiches. Yeah, the carcass oh, is going yeah. in, in the giant stock pot. I'm making myself a big old batch of turkey stock. You know, that's going to get turned into a big old batch of turkey soup. That'll get eaten on for three or four days. You know, so it's. Yeah, I, I, I stretch it out. And by the end, uh, come about, you know, I don't know, the first, second week of December, uh, I don't even want to smell or see a turkey. So. <laughs> turkey, I love turkey. Um, you know, it, it needs to have the fixings with it, though. So uh, well, I could eat turkey yeah. quite often, to be honest with you. Oh, yeah. So I know. It's, it, you, I, all the trimmings, all the trimmings. So did anyway. you do a, uh, not filet bignon, uh, what's the one with the a prime rib? With the, with That's the Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to ask if you did that Christmas. one time. Yeah, prime rib is Christmas, every Christmas. And uh, and sometimes I'll do a little ham, too, because not everybody likes uh, likes prime rib. I know. Weird. Well, if you're involved, there's always ham involved. Uh, <laughs> what, what about New Year's? Do you do anything special for New Year's? I drink and blow shit up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no seriously. No, no cooking. Uh, it, it's I, I generally have to work the next day. I, I, you know, waking up at four o'clock, four thirty in the morning, uh, to you know, to get get ready for work. Uh, midnight is extremely late. I usually am in bed by about nine or nine thirty, maybe ten o'clock sometimes. So, so midnight uh, for me is pretty dang late nowadays. Uh, I used to work swing shifts and I used to work in the oh, industries and, and stuff like that. So I was a night owl for for most of my life. Uh, but but the job that I have now requires uh, a long commute and waking up early and, and all that sort of stuff. So I don't I don't I don't uh, I don't have the time for for big parties and and that that, and that sort of stuff for for New Year's Eve unless it's on a weekend and even then uh, I, I'm pretty chill. So right. So Tammy, are you getting used to being back in um, um, like what you formerly called home uh, before you moved to the Jeep and then, then <laughs> moved back? Were you were you gone long enough where you forgot what being home was? Um, no, it just kind of falls back into place. Just like when I was in the Walmart parking lot today and screaming and swearing at people because they're idiots and hating traffic and yeah. Um, oh wait, you got just, a people of Walmart story? <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, people being stupid, you know, people walking down the, I'm just I'm talking about the outside in the parking lot. People just walking down the, the parking lot, you know, oblivious that, you're a person, not a car. Move over. You know, just, I hate crowds. I hate, you know. That's what train horns are for. Absolutely. Yeah. Am, I, am I right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, and I just, like, I miss that, you know, where I was the only one on the road. Um, yeah. Living out in the country is uh, nice until you want to go to Walmart and you can't find one. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, um, you know, I really miss it. But, you know, I miss my kids. So, but I'm, I want to go back. That's what I'm going to do. I'm looking for a camper and, you know, when the time comes, I'm going to live in my Jeep. I'll just have to make sure Thursday nights I'm where there's, you know, Wi-Fi or internet. So you need to get with Dan and find out where he bought his hat so you can get one of those hats when you're living out of your Jeep. Dan, um, from the four by, oh, Dan, yes. Yep. He's so dreamy, too. I mean, he just, I love his accent. He's such a nice guy. And Jersey, I think, is a, a, New Jersey is his accent. Dan Grek? Yeah. No, he's got that Australian accent. Is it? 
Yes. That all sounds uh, foreign to me, being from Texas. <laughs> I am going to... I did learn something on the trip. The oh, first you. mod every Jeep Wrangler should make is removing that stupid rear license plate and putting it on your spare tire. Um, it's and what, what is your, what's your primary reason for this? Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it jiggles loose. Um, the, the screw comes out eventually and it, you can rip it off if you get the right angle of the rocks or a, a cliff side or a, a canyon wall. Um, so mine's being held together by duct tape right now. And um, a friend from high school was so kind because I, I, you know, I, I can't afford to do anything right now. Um, he sent me an early birthday present because he said I inspired him to get back to working on his Dodge pickup from, I don't know, 1970. And so I will be, that's what I'll be doing over the weekend is moving my license plate to the spare tire. Um, Cause it's just, it's in the way. So you're going to have to be doing some wiring, electrical wiring to uh, have the little lamp that dis- yeah. displays on the uh, license plate. Is that, that yeah. part of the kit? Yeah, it is. Good. Um, it's from JKS manufacturing which we ordered through Extreme Terrain. Thank you, Extreme Terrain. So, and then I'll have to get some of that touch-up paint. Michael said that I could, my son, he said I can just go to a Jeep dealer and they can mix me up some touch-up paint for my Jeep. Is that correct? I don't know. I, I that's don't not know where I would that. go. Yeah, that, that's... Um, I would call first. That might be a service that they that they offer... If it is a very, very large dealership that has a very extensive service department, then maybe. I, mm-hmm. I do know that that a lot of dealerships will sell those touch-up pens, um, uh, but uh, even then, that'll be pretty limited, probably to only about a year or two back in the vehicles that are on the lot. So, um, I, really, your best bet is going to be, you know, some of like, you know, where the where the hot rod guys go for for their body supplies or okay. for, um, you know, there's, there's a chain of stores out around here. I don't, I can't remember if they're national or not called Baxter's auto parts. Um, they have a pretty decent, uh, selection when it comes to auto body paint, uh, and, and stuff like that. There's a, an outfit called industrial finishes. Um, they will mix you, you know, whatever you've got, if you got the paint code, they'll mix it up for you a factory, you know, Jeep paint in an mm-hmm. aerosol can, um, that you can, that you can, that you can use or, uh, you know, use uh, who we had on the show just a couple few episodes ago, right. um, the touchuppaint.com, um, and Actually, use those guys. Uh, automotive touchup. Automotive touchup paint. And that was right. episode 411, if you guys like to go back and uh, listen to that. Because it's already that, because you know, I was doing that 112 point turn to try to get out of a situation. And um, so I, uh, there's tons of paint missing from the rear, and it's already starting to rust. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, Josh, and my, I, and I was I was going to just use a rattle can of the black spray paint, and Michael said, no, that's not going to adhere to the Jeep. Well, you, well, you know about the rust. You will make sure the rust is uh, right. uh, converted first. Um, so, Josh, I thought this was interesting. I went back to look and, and, and make sure I had the name right of the automotivetouchup.com, and the, I thought it was pretty cool. That's episode 411, and do you call the name of that episode? Uh, 
I, do, no, do, I don't, do, do, don't yeah, remember no. the, the title of that episode. Vandalism. Oh, right. Wasn't that cool? Like it, it, we accidentally meshed those two things together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that worked out pretty good. It's funny how uh, you know things kind of work out that way sometimes. A miracle sometimes. So um, the uh, <laughs> I mentioned about the uh, all the the mud that's still on my uh, my Jeep. I'm gonna yeah. You gonna, gonna do try something to, about that? I'm gonna try to break out the <laughs> uh, the pl- pr- the pleasure sprayer. The pleasure sprayer. Uh, I'd like the to pleasure do, washer. I thought oh. about it doing tonight uh, uh, today, but I didn't get around to it. Uh, but uh, I want to see if I can uh, if I use the pleasure sprayer, I'll be able to get it off the driveway before my wife comes out there and complains about all the red dirt uh, that's on the uh, in the street. Uh, going to the storm drains <laughs> and on the driveway. So I want to get there and uh, try to clean all that stuff off. I've got a bunch of new stickers uh, that I got from like High Lift and Worn and oh, yeah, uh, Nexon Tires. No. So, uh, I mean, I could just clean the, the, the glass where I was going to put those, but uh, I might as well get that dirt off there. It's It's been on there long enough. At, at this point, people are going, oh, yeah, he's just bragging because he went off road. So he won't, doesn't <laughs> want to wash his Jeep. You know, I, I went so, for uh, so long without washing. Uh, I think it was almost a year that I went without oh washing gosh. the Jeep. And uh, yeah, uh, well, um, yeah, well, you know, it's not a daily driver, so it just sit right. in the garage, and you know, it's only comes out of you know, so every so often. But uh, um, it, it, the dirt that was on there actually stained the paint a little bit. So Uh-oh. if you leave it on yeah. too long, it, it can actually stain the paint. My, so my so wife was advised. asking me. Yeah, my wife was asking me if I was worried about it staining the uh, the sticker, the big Jeep Talk Show sticker that's on there. Oh, so. yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, my fenders are stained, but um, I, Tony, I was going to say, you know that pleasure sprayer? You can actually buy those at Bed Bath and Beyond I for know. your shower. For your I shower. <laughs> Oh, uh, gee. All right. I'll, uh, uh, on that note. I think, yeah, I think that's a good note to go out on. Would you like to join in the campfire side chat? We'd sure love to have you. Pull up a chair, crack an adult beverage, and join in on the fun. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun. I think this is a perfect day to take the top off. Oh, what the heck is this? Oh, you gotta be kidding me. Maybe you should have checked the Jeep weather with Mitch. Hey, Jeeper. Mitch here. Today is the 29th of November, 2019. It's time for your weekend going topless Jeep weather report. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. I intentionally got snowed in up in Northern California for it. Started snowing Tuesday at lunch. Nothing like going topless in hot tubs and in the snow. Now on to the weather. Let's find someplace warm to go topless in. How about Miami, Florida? Bust out that canvas bikini top, sunscreen, and your cruising shades. Sunny with maybe some clouds. Friday 80, Saturday 79, and Sunday 82. Just because it might be cloudy doesn't mean you won't burn your nuts off. Hey, look at this. Outside Fort Benning, home of the infantry, it's Columbus, Georgia. I went to basic training here way back when, and they're having a decent weather this weekend. Show your support to some new soldiers, and go topless here. Friday will be 69, Saturday 72, and Sunday rain with 66 degrees. Lastly, we went topless up here in South Lake Tahoe, California. Lots of snow is planned with 25 Friday, 30 Saturday, and 36 for Sunday. Not to brag, but I survived that drive and the heaters worked great.
If you have any suggestions or want to know your local Jeep weather in an upcoming episode, go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact in order to find all the ways to get a message to me. I'm Mitch. It's always a great weekend to go topless. If you're brave enough, just go topless responsibly. Now let's get to some events from around the world and maybe even in your neck of the woods. Don't forget to let us know about an event that you are planning or involved with. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Click and fill out our wheeling wear form. The information comes straight to us. We will get it out to the masses. Coming up December 14th, we have the Brush Beaters Jeep Club presenting their Wheeling for Toys event. This is an annual event they've been putting on for a while now, and this is happening at the Kansas Rock Recreation Park in Mapleton, Kansas. This is uh, for a good cause, folks, so you might want to get involved in that one. Happening December 14th as well, we're having the, uh, the Southington Off-Road Open Trail Ride in Garrettsville, Ohio at the, the Southington Off-Road Park. This, is, uh, this park is doing a big Black Friday run this weekend as well, so... You want to get on that uh, well, as we are recording this episode. That'll be the, re, uh, uh, the weekend of Thanksgiving. Uh, so go and check that out. For more information, more events, and links, please visit the JeepTalkShow.com website for this episode. That's it for the show for this week, my fellow Jeeper. Until next week, be sure to support the show by engaging with us on Facebook. Now that Amazon is putting one leg up on the counter and giving it to us dry, we need all the help we can get. So spread the word. And as always, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. Oh, God. No. No more turkey. I didn't want to pop. Podcasting since 2010.